0: Hey y'all, Alan here, and welcome to A Journey's Rest, a podcast focused on the vast but deep set of topics about the complexity and joy of roleplay games. Whether you need to attune to a magic item, regain some hit points, change out spells, or just reminisce with friends, here we just sit down for around about an hour and enjoy ourselves. This week, I have two wonderful guests, Sam and Tyler, who talk about playing their own game of Pathfinder 2nd Edition. We talk about mechanic changes, improvements from the original Pathfinder, and how they're enjoying it as an RPG system. We get into a ton of awesome things about what make it a great possible alternative to D&D. So, I hope you enjoy. And we're in. Hi everybody, I'm Alan. And today, I am not talking about D&D, although I've talked about it A million times on this podcast, um, actually it's 18, no, 19 times, so it's not actually a million. I guess it depends on how you count. Um, We are going to be talking about something vastly different. Today, we're looking at one of the other very, very popular versions of a roleplay game for, uh, for playing awesome, fantastical adventures, Um, But we're looking at the second edition of it. Uh, A lot of you have probably heard of Pathfinder before, something that kind of spun off of the tail end of 3.5, and all of a sudden, earlier this year, we got Pathfinder 2, and I have some wonderful, wonderful people here uh, that I will allow themselves to introduce so that we may be able to talk to them about Pathfinder. So they have been playing a Pathfinder 2 game for, gosh, how long have you been playing it, guys?
1: I think we've done 10 sessions or so. Yeah, we're just really getting into it, really getting in the meat of it. Yeah, so good. That's awesome. That's like a fair amount of
0: playtime, too. So that's like, uh, gosh, what level of, well, sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm about to just go off on a tangent, and that is just not (laughs) going to be good for, like, making sure you guys get to introduce yourselves. So why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves and uh,
2: introduce uh, where you guys play this as well. All right, cool. So my name is Sam. Uh, I'm a, in-game, I'm a, what am I, a ranger, hunter, rogue person. I already Messed this all up. I have had everything pulled up, and I'll find it. In you're, one. You're, you're, it's you're a ranger. Unacceptable. I'm a ranger. No,
0: you, you're supposed to come into this podcast very well ready. If you come in yeah. here and you like aren't ready for like exact textbook answers, I'm sorry. We're gonna have to cut it short.
2: Yeah, you
1: have to take this seriously,
2: man. <laughs> well, I might be in the wrong room. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my name's Sam again. Um, my character I play is Parafolly Bear. Uh, he is a human hunter, uh, ranger, and that's what we've been doing. I think we're level four or five right now. Very cool. Say four. Yeah, yeah say four. Yeah, and I'll pass it off to Tyler. Awesome. Well, I mean, how long have you been playing all that other stuff? Oh well all the details I suppose. Well this is gonna be my uh, this campaign is my first time really actually playing any kind of tabletop RPG. Yeah. Uh we did a one shot one time before, but besides that, that was it. So I mean the ten sessions that we've played, I think that's twelve total in my life, so I'm still very much a newbie at the this kind of thing, yeah. So, uh,
0: I mean, and yeah, Tyler, what do what's your whole situation within this scenario?
1: So for for the the game that Sam's in, uh, I'm the DM GM. Depending, I I, I still say DM for mm-hmm. playing D anD D forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, I have played every edition uh, of D anD D since AD anD D. Uh, most of my time was spent on three five, and was really, really yeah. all in on Pathfinder one. And I really like some of the changes that Pathfinder two's put together. Our group is comprised of composed of not comprised of four different players that are all right around the same level. And we've got uh, what a cleric, yourself a ranger, a barbarian, and I want to say a fighter. Very Correct. cool. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: <clears throat> I on this on this podcast, oftentimes I will talk about. Um, a lot of non-mechanical things right so um you know there are a lot of mechanical things in rpgs that are super exciting to me right like i love playing wizards right it's just
1: it's fun to cast spells absolutely absolutely agree
0: yes but like at the same time you know the more important thing to me is like how can i use those spells and the way that those come about to make a fun and interesting character right because that's the important stuff for me, right? Um, but not everybody plays as role-play-heavy games as I do. What type of game do you guys like to play?
2: Uh, I want to say, I mean, what I'm going to call it pretty straightforward. Uh, we don't have much multi-classing, if any, yet in our characters. Um, sure. So, you know, again, I'm, I'm playing a ranger, and I'm pretty bow-heavy. I've gone into a couple fights with... What is it, an orc knuckle dagger or whatever? Mm-hmm. But you know, we played pretty straightforward to how the characters are supposed to play. I believe uh, I can't say that too much in depth because I don't know if us are, if any of us were playing it way wrong. I don't know. No,
1: no no. no. Uh, for 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 our this particular group. We're not super role play heavy. We've sure. got two brand new players, one in Sam and one in uh, Brandon. Uh, and we've got a, a player who's super shy and doesn't like really leaning into that role play stuff. And one guy who loves doing voices. Yeah. So we've got a, a a good mix. It's not really, there's not a lot of uh, speaking in your as your character's perspective. You sure. say, hey, I want to do these things. But there's not a lot of the, the in-depth voice role playing uh, I've played a handful of those games, and those can get a lot of fun. Totally, uh, I remember we Be Goblins from Pathfinder One E was stellar. Where it's a party of goblins, and yeah, just have a couple of adult beverages and talk like goblins for a few hours <laughs> it was great. Yeah, awesome. I will okay. say you have made us go
2: into that role playing thing every once in a while. Though you say okay, we'll act it out, and then we all just like uh uh, and then we do it, and it always turns out hilarious too. Oh, yeah. uh, one Honestly. of the th-
1: because my my group is a little little uncomfortable with the role playing yet. Uh, whenever they try to do anything that would normally require some kind of perception or uh, deception or intimidation or any kind of like that role, if they acted out or role play it well in the, in the session, instead of having them roll for success to reward them actually doing it, I'm like, that's great. Totally. That's a success. Let's move forward. Totally.
0: Yeah. I've definitely come to those situations before. Um, I find oftentimes, um, so I run really role play heavy games. So uh, there is nigh a moment when uh, a character won't be talking in character in my games, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I'll be like, okay, you come up to this this person, they look like this, and then you approach them, and then I will give, like, you know, I'll jump into the NPC's voice or something like that, but, um, yeah, like, I can find, th- I find those um, a blast, but... I think that, um, you know, that's not for everybody, too, you know, and, like, being in that all the time, so, uh, yeah, it totally makes sense, either way, um, but, so, I don't, I want to make sure that I get all of this in here today, too, because we have a ton to look at for Pathfinder, um, because, good golly, Pathfinder's a whole a whole heap and lot of stuff, you know? It is. And, so, I, actually, the very first D&D game I ever played was Pathfinder 1, And all I remember was just a lot of numbers. There were just a lot of them. And I remember getting to 5e and being like, wow, this is a lot more streamlined. What do you think about that type of mentality coming from someone like me who's played probably more 5e than I've ever played Pathfinder? Um, Is that like a general consensus or like what, what feels like that from Pathfinder to Pathfinder 2e or 5e? Like what do you feel about that scenario?
1: I think I think you summed it up absolutely correctly and, okay. <laughs> and very efficiently. Like uh, I, I grabbed my three five book to sit down because I was looking for a specific table, uh, and I, I mentioned that playing three point five and to a lesser extent one e a Pathfinder one e was very much like doing taxes. So there's numbers yeah. everywhere. There's tables everywhere. You got to make sure everything lines up and synergizes well. And then D and D came out with five e and just chucked all of that annoyance out and really, like you said, streamlined everything and made it a lot easier for new players to join.
0: Yeah. I think that's really one of the big reasons why 5e's kind of like taken off so hard is because of the the ease of entry, right? It doesn't take a whole, you know, a class on D&D to be able to play it anymore. So that's a good thing I think. How do you think yeah, Pathfinder 2 right. stacks up against that?
1: Uh, there, There's... um. The, the initial character creation for for 2E is still a little bit wonky. Once mm-hmm. you do it a couple times, it's still really smooth. And they did a really good job laying it out. But if there is still a little bit more of that number crunchy. It's still a lot more of a crunchy system yeah. than uh, D&D, which is trying very hard to lean away from that and let, uh, let players have a little bit more agency and how they do things, even mm. if that means that they've added a couple more rails that you get to stick to, if yeah. that
0: makes any sense. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. Honestly, it does. Well, okay, cool. Um so what does that mean for something like uh multiclassing or things like that? Because like 5e, there's a lot of like really rigid structuring for multiclassing. So like you have to have like a certain number or a certain like stat in certain skills and things like that. And you have to be able to have like Um, what was it called? You have to wait. Uh, or no? Yeah, it's just it's having those exact stats, and then like you don't get like full spellcasting and everything like that. Like, how does multiclassing or um, character customization in that type of sense work with
1: uh, Pathfinder Two E? So multiclassing in Two E is super weird. Um, it like um in it seemed to me when I played 5e for a bit, they were really, really leaning hard against doing it. They don't want you to do it, and they put a lot of things kind of in your way or gave you half options to, to lead you back to your own class. Mm. And 2e is a lot like that. Um, you take a handful of feats, and you can pick up dedication feats that go that route, Yeah, but it's it, it's a lot more of a system. Like Once you start as, as Sam's Ranger, they really want you to stay that way to prevent a lot of like, min-max characters from level-dipping just to get those those level one perks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think they, they did that with five uh, E for like, I mean, just like generally it's like the, the way that classes are kind of structured out. You kind of like lose things like ability score increases or feet uh, grabs or things like that, because you only get those every, um, you know, every four levels. And so then if you don't hit that four level break point, then it kind of disincentivizes you. But the flexibility is kind of what you get for, for trading that off. And so, um, yeah, that's, well, that's interesting because I would have expected something like this with Pathfinder to, because um, I know, okay, for example, in 3.5, there was a lot of those kind of, you know, um, the the kind of like half classes that you could take for feats, right? Like you could take mm-hmm. like a bunch of feats and then it would essentially make you into like the class that you originally were and then like add something on top of that. Am I Am I correct in that?
1: Yeah, with uh, like prestige classes, yeah. or you I mean specifically uh, just feet trees that were uh, ungodly long. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So, well, does like does Pathfinder have any some anything like that in like feet trees for Pathfinder 2?
1: There's not nearly as many feet trees as there used to be. Uh, there, are, I know that. I assume that that's going to get uh, built on as we move along through yeah. time. But there are, uh, and I, I I know we're going to end up with. Uh, uh, new books that are going to have new classes and that kind of stuff. But the the feats aren't leaned into really hard uh, like they were in Pathfinder 1 and 3.5. They cleaned it up quite a bit like D&D 5e did. Yeah. And uh, I think we're going to see a lot less of uh, that kind of push. Plus with the way that they the leveling works for... Uh, Pathfinder to you, every couple levels or every level, you're presented with a short list of feats, either from Ancestry, you know, your your race, your background, or your character class and they, all right from these five feats, pick one, and a lot of times they build on ones you've taken previously. Mm -hmm. So those feat trees are still there, they're just hidden a lot better, so you don't have to go to the feats chapter in your rule book and then try to figure out what you want to do for your entire class from level one to level twenty. Right. You can kind of more organically make things, make choices based on what you think the game is actually going to do for you. I see. So so in Pathfinder 2E you get feats every level? Uh no. I, there are do you have if you happen to have the book pulled up, that'd be awesome, Sam. Um I you get something every level. Right. Something changes in if it's just a uh, Sam, what what changed for you from level three to four? Do you remember?
2: Uh, level three to four, I believe, what I got was um, an ability called, of course, I don't have the updated one, but essentially it was uh, Quiet Allies, which allowed me to roll the stealth for all four or my entire party, essentially. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, and I, yeah.
1: And okay. That. So there the, there is some minute adjustment to your character, some way or another, that gives you a new ability, and it it could be a feat it could you know or it's something that isn't a feat it's not named a feat but you and i would know that sure. it is one sure but instead of every third level you get a new feat, like uh in most of the classes in three five or every other if you're a fighter yeah uh it's they're just yeah you went up from this level to this level here's why you should be excited about this you get something new to right. mess with even if it's not game breaking here's a new thing here's a new shiny toy use it have fun awesome very cool well, Sam, how are you feeling
0: about this? Because I'm sure that as it's your, you know, first time playing a long more a long form kind of role-play game, Um, as you start moving into this whole new crazy space, um, what are you thinking about A, uh, roleplay games in general right now and B, Pathfinder 2e as a system so far? So let's start with how you're feeling about RPGs in general, because RPGs are dope and they're super fun, but they're so different than what people
2: probably on the outside think that they are, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. Um. So far, and I've wanted to play for years, and I'll start off by saying that, but I, pure and simple, didn't know anyone that played, and I knew that I wasn't, you know, I didn't have the attention or the skills to be able to look deeply into it and be able to DM a game myself, yeah. which I don't even think I knew what that meant until recently. But essentially, I'm, I'm loving the idea of it, I'm loving playing it, and I'm very interested in, you know, playing the other platforms, be that D&D 5e or, you know, even 3.5 I've heard good things about. Uh, but besides that, no, it's, you know, being fairly new to it, it uh, it can be complicated, I've found. Yeah. But two of the people that I play with, you know, have been playing for years and years. So it's it's super simple to them, and they explain it in a way that helps tremendously, you know. And even if you have the actual rule books, you know, if you're saying, oh, how do I level up? You know, you go to your class and you find the level up section that walks you through it step by step. Mm-hmm. No, you might have to, you know flip pages back and forth about 20 times to figure out what you want to do but it is very self-explanatory. Yeah, totally.
0: So, I mean, as a as a person who's come in uh from like, you know, from not playing for so long, um what uh, this is just super interesting to me. So, this may delve a little bit further away from Pathfinder for just a moment. So, I hope <laughs> you guys don't hate me too much. But no. uh Sam, have you uh, have you played like fantasy games, video games and things like that in the past?
2: Uh the farthest one might be, you know, maybe Skyrim or sure. Legend of Zelda. That'd yeah. Probably be about it. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, when they
0: look at like DD and things like that, or, or Pathfinder, of course, um, they oftentimes try and compare and be like, oh, well, like, I'm sure it'll be like Skyrim. Like, I'm just going to go and like go around here and like loot this person or come over to this person and steal all this stuff from their house. And then they get into playing, you know, a role play game. And it's, I would say, pretty vastly different. What things in particular kind of stuck out to you as a big difference between playing a video game and playing a role play game in person?
2: Uh, I think the biggest thing is having the freedom to really do whatever you want. Like, if you want to have an action you want to do, there's a role for it. Right. <laughs> that's probably the best way I can put it. You know, if I want to have a character that can do one thing that's likely a thing, you know, if I want to be really silly and cheesy and play a bard and, you know, bring an ocarina like we previously discussed, Tyler, you know, and like every time I'd play, you know, play Legend of Zelda thing or something. Yeah. Um, it, there's just a lot of freedom to it and I don't think there's as many limitations that's, you know, within the boundaries of a video game, you know, in a video game you can only do what the game allows you to do Well, on this it's literally limited only by your imagination. Totally.
0: And that's like, that's one of my favorite parts about role play games in general is just the fact that It's so limitless, and until you really sit down and you look at the game from the inside, you're like, holy crap, I really can do, like, anything. Video games, there are, like, video games that will sit down and be like, you can do anything in this video game, but you kind of, like, you can kind of do anything, right? But, like, in RPGs, you can just sit down and you could literally, like... I don't know, you could you could be serious one day and then just become the dumbest motherfucker the next day just because you feel like <laughs> it, right? And, uh, and people in the world will react accordingly. So um, it's just absolutely
2: a blast for that, for sure. Yeah, and I think that the DM, especially our DM, can kind of take things you do and turn them into long-running uh, inside jokes. Yes. Uh, you know, one good example would be, you know, from a video game to actual play, um would be, my person who is an ex-big game hunter, you know, uh, compared to the game Red Dead Redemption 2, where you can hunt in that game, and that's a cool thing. But, you know, it's it's kind of silly. You know, you can go find out an animal and hunt it and all that. But in this game, you know, I think first episode, I'm like, oh, I'm a hunter. I've got a bow. I'm going to go find deer. And I think I rolled a nat 20. He's like, oh, you found all of the deer. <laughs> and then I shot a deer, and we had a small breakfast. He's like, okay, now you're carrying around 60 pounds of deer. <laughs> it's like, oh, shoot. Holy shit. <laughs> Amazing. I was so, yeah, worried he was, he he was, that he took the were time to say you found literally all the deer, the deer go extinct. Your what, what, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but he you know, he took the time like while I was explaining what I was doing, he googled what, you know, a medium weight female doe would weigh, yeah, and he's said, sure. like, alright, well, you're stuck with this now, and I had to find ways to get rid of it, yeah. and that was in its own adventure, you know, so that's... You're gonna point out that you tried just giving bloody hucks of meat away to passers yeah, by I was... on the road, we were or walking... you just gonna leave that be. <laughs> I was gonna, you, you want know, this? <laughs> like... Yeah, so, when I say the inside jokes, you know, that's one of them, essentially, I was just trying to get rid of this, and that was its own adventure, where uh, we were on our way to our first town, essentially, I think we were going to Huntstown, um, and yeah, we were just passing some people and I'm like, can I give this to them? You know, and I'm thinking out, you know, I'll just hand them to me, you know, maybe some hungry travelers and it uh Tyler decided that that's not how it was gonna go uh, he decided some that some random I,
1: guy just walks up to you and tries to yeah, hand I, you a
2: hunk of meat yeah, I, have, I didn't tell think me how that you're was, gonna handle it I have, I have yeah. this like idea of just like this
0: absolutely like arms to the fucking elbow blood stained man who has just like hunted yeah. down and slain an animal who's just waving yeah. around this absolutely blood soaked corpse like please take this from me
1: we, we have like, the same image in our heads yeah that's exactly how I approached that as well <laughs> see and Wait, I was thinking on. oh here I'm gonna hand it to you like folded up in paper but he's
2: like no you didn't say you're gonna do that so you're just giving him a bloody hunk of meat and then I think you had me do a perception tech immediately after that and I'm like right, I rolled a 17 yeah they immediately threw that meat away it's like <laughs> <"Yeah, man." laughs>
0: oh my god that is hilarious I love it <laughs> but yeah that's like a whole new thing that you like there's no interaction like that in a video game you know what I mean you can't just like have that for free you have to that's like that has to be programmed in but like in all of this stuff um you can just hop in and in roleplay games you can just hop in and have fun interactions like that just on the off the cuff and it it's easy and simple you know what i mean so um well good exactly yeah um so what do you think uh sam from your perspective as a new player um what are your most favorite parts about pathfinder 2e and what are your least favorite parts about pathfinder 2e because there are definitely parts about like fifth edition, as much as I love it, that I'm not a fan of, but what are your kind of like, this is good, this is frustrating kind of scenarios for you?
2: Uh, I'm going to say my, my favorite part so far is probably the the rules book, and that is also the answer for my least favorite part, because it is <laughs> very self-explanatory, but you, it almost over-explains it, where it's like, okay, if you want to do this, turn to this page, then it, it sends you on a wild goose oh chase. Oh no. That it's like, it's just like a find-your-own-adventure book. Very much so, but <laughs> I can't say that it's not telling you exactly what to do. Yeah. It's just, you know, there, there seems to be steps to doing it. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. I'm not sure. Every The few times I've leveled up, I think I've only been able to do one of them on my own just because it's, you know, as a new player who doesn't kind of fully understand how the system works, Totally, I've had to ask for a lot of help. and They've been very supportive with that, but, you know, I, I haven't exactly known how to navigate everything. Totally. But well,
1: And to your credit, you know, this is the first game of two e for all of us at the team. Yeah. So if we had been playing Pathfinder one or any D and D edition, period, at least John and I would be able to give you better information to better arm you for the next time you were leveling up. You know, when you when you guys went from one to two, we all were figuring that out at the same time. So don't feel bad about that. Yeah, I also, that is true, and to be I'm fair, sorry.
2: we also we took a completely separate weekend to actually do that. We yeah. didn't, It wasn't on a quick thing. Yeah.
0: I don't know I think there's some sort of kind of like some wonder in that too though you know what I mean there's almost nothing like coming back to like looking at a game that you first play for the very first time where no one knows what they're doing and you're just doing it strictly because there's wonder in finding what is next right I definitely agree yeah so well I'm glad that you guys are still on that journey with each other for that for sure well, um, Tyler, do you mind if I, I move on back to you? Uh, I think I would love to hear what you think the biggest differences are between um, between Pathfinder 1 and Pathfinder 2. Because for me, one of the biggest bits of frustration for me with Pathfinder was like, I would walk into Pathfinder and I'd be like, okay, cool. Let me build my character up. We're like, you know, we're we've reached like, you know, I don't know, maybe... I think, like, level four at that point, and it was always like, okay, cool. Like, when you're standing in knee-high water, you get a plus two bonus to hit, but only if it's noon on the fourth day of the month. And I'm like, holy crap, man. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with all this information. And uh, to me, that felt like really, like, oh, I cannot remember all of this. It's just, I want to play the game, but there's a lot to do here. Um, so, like, I stepped away from it, but I would love to hear the uh, the... Perspective that you have coming from Pathfinder One to Pathfinder Two, and like, what are the biggest differences and biggest benefits, or maybe some drawbacks that you're finding?
1: For sure. So, uh, I think Pathfinder Two is very similar in the way uh, the way it's handling D and D Five as uh, one. Or uh, that's not really true. Let's back up. Pathfinder One uh, really smoothed out and fixed a lot of the issues with D anD D three five. There was a reason that for several years, Pathfinder One first edition was you know the where it was in the hierarchy of tabletop RPGs. Totally, it just smoothed everything out. And D anD D came out with an edition that is not to be named, and then <laughs> came out with fifth edition, and eh, it's great. It's a fantastic edition. Um, my my. My complaint with 5E is that it feels like it's very railroady. Sure. And I don't mean that like, you know, capital C complaint. I don't like it. It's just that is, you know, the only thing that, that kind of pushed me back towards 2E yeah. when it finally came out. And I find that 2E fixes and streamlines a lot of things from Pathfinder 1E just like 5E did for we'll just go back to 3.5 and call it even. Um uh they they it's still very crunchy. There's still a lot of the um uh, not quite to the addition, not quite to the, the standard, you were you saying, with the standing in knee-high water yeah. on the fourth day of the month. Yeah. But it, it is still very status-driven. Yeah, uh, A lot of the effects that you you give uh, your, your other players in your group or enemies are, you know, a random status effect with a sliding scale of 1 to, like, 5. And each one of those increasing statuses, you know, so sickened 1, sickened 2, pardon me, sickened 2, and so on and so forth import more and more negatives or bonuses. So if you don't have like the uh, the status cards, and I just bought Paizo's de- status cards that have those named out, exactly what they do, and you know the the number tokens with them, it can get very confusing very quickly. Yeah. So if you don't like the the crunchy aspect of that type of game, then without a doubt the the, the system isn't for you as a player if you don't like those things. Sure. But I think it smoothed things out a ton. I really appreciate the way that Paizo just put out the core rulebook and said, hey, guys, this is all you need. This one book okay. is all you need to play this game. Yeah. If you want the other ones, they're available. You can go still buy the bestiary and the the GM's guide and all that stuff, but you don't require them. All you need is the one book, and I really, really appreciate that That's from good. a financial aspect oh, because yeah. I know a lot of the time Sometimes barrier to entries is just a book, and that sucks,
0: yeah, it really well, you know, like not everybody has the ability to go out there and buy you know five fifty dollar books, you know what I mean there's exactly. it's a lot of money to put all of that into trying to get the the textbooks that you need, um, but I think, uh yeah, that's awesome that you can just pick up one and move on with that. I really um I have found oftentimes that mostly. Uh, I've only needed the the um, the what's it called the player's handbook for fifth edition, mm-hmm. um, but I'm glad to hear that they kind of like more streamlined it in in the the core rulebook for um, for Pathfinder Two E. That sounds really good.
1: Oh, yeah, they did a, they did a fantastic job with it, uh, and, and you know I I put Five E and Pathfinder Second Edition on the exact same tier. It just which. Which you'd prefer to totally. play. You know, there's a lot more theater of the mind stuff with the the 5e lens really itself really, really, really well yeah. to, like, like, your style of role playing where you're, you know, everybody's talking as their character all of the time. Sure. And there's not as much rule flipping trying to figure out where, what exactly this status effect does. Totally. This gives you advantage or disadvantage, and we're just going to rock and roll with that. Yeah. And just make this really easy to get started and get going. Yeah. Uh, whereas Pathfinder assumes that you both like and are used to those types of statuses, right. and if you don't, if you don't know them, you're going to learn real quick. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't like it, then you're not going to have as much fun. Yeah, totally.
0: Well, okay. So, um, do you find that? Um, so, for me, when it comes to five E, you know, I mean, there are numbers for things like okay, well, like you climb up a you know a rock face and then. You would have to roll like a strength check to see if you can, you know, scale the rock face, right? And there mm-hmm. are like like charts that will tell you where that is, right? Where where the number is for that, right? But oftentimes that's a, a hassle. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure that like many people, say, other than me, are all like, "Wow, you know what? I'm just super not into flipping to the page to go find what the DC it is." what the dc is to try and get up this rock face right so um do you find yourself um like looking to be exact in every single one of those or do you think that um are are, is is your style more loose around that or uh, are you pretty rigid in the rule set
1: i I am a firm believer in the rule of cool oh totally Uh, if if you want to do a thing I'm going to make sure that we are moving the moving whatever you want to do along. I will come up with whatever I think the, the appropriate DC is, as opposed to saying, all right, cool, give me five minutes while I flip through and try totally. to find the, the exact DC. I would much rather be a little bit wrong, up or down, and everyone at the table is having a good time than try to pause everything while I look for it. 100%. Every now and again, I, I will move forward with it and have one of the other people at the table look up something If it's critical to what we're doing and if it can be done separately, if it can't be done separately, I'm just going to make it up and we're going to run with it. Totally. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with you on that, because for me, like no matter what system you're playing, it doesn't really matter whether it's Pathfinder 2E, Pathfinder 1, you know. Uh, any of the D and D editions, one, two, three, three point five, five. There's a number missing in there, but I can't remember what one it is. Um, <laughs> but any any game, right? You know, uh, even like um, uh, what's it called, like you know, Power by the Apocalypse, anything like that. As, as long as you are, the, the most important part about playing it is having fun with your friends, right? That's the most important Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. And like, if you're gonna, if if the most if, if the most fun thing for you. Is looking up those numbers and being exact. Do it. But for me, I would much rather trade off the uh, the unfunness of looking up a DC for me just being like, yeah, it's probably around here, and I might be a number or two off. But like, as you know, as a DM, it's just more about like streamlining that, making sure the players are having fun, and not stopping the whole game just to kind of like look for a DC or things like that. I've heard other people tell me that they like. Like Pathfinder for them has been like really rigid about that, and I I've, I've kind of had an inkling that that was a DM style, Um but like I I'm it's nice to hear that from you as well in a different aspect.
1: Yeah, uh, the Pathfinder is super like they've got a rule for everything. It's just like totally. three five in that if if you if you can think of it, it is written down in this book. I promise. But that doesn't mean I'm going to spend time to find it. Totally. Uh, it's like, and like you pointed out, there are absolutely DMs, GMs. That that, that's what they want to do. They want the the spirit of the rules there, and they want to run with it. Uh, I, I, I feel like the reason, like you said, the reason we're here is to sit down, and have a few drinks, and play a game with friends. Totally. So I, I would much rather be a little bit wrong as the DM and make sure everybody's having fun than... Then go the route of, well, sorry, the DC was fifteen. Uh, you rolled a fourteen, and because you're climbing up a wall, your character fell and died. Isn't yeah. that neat.
0: That's. <laughs> that's so. It's so frustrating. I, I totally agree. Well, cool. Um, I actually want to circle something. Uh, back around here. Um, you told me a little bit earlier that you thought that um that 5e was a little railroady and i wonder if you could kind of expand on what you mean by that because i'm interested to see what how you think um that pathfinder 2e is not railroady and so by i think defining the way that you think 5e is railroady then i might be able to more understand why pathfinder 2e does not meet that criteria for you
1: Gotcha. So, uh, for a point of clarification, I feel like they're both super railroady. Okay. <laughs> okay. I just, I like the way that is railroady a little more. Um, the, a lot of it is character creation and character development. Okay. So, with 5e in particular, we'll start with that. There are, you know, you, you choose a class and then there's very few options after you make that initial decision. I want to be a fighter. Cool. Here are your options as a fighter. That's it. Then you move forward as you progress from level to level, and you just follow that one chain. Um, in the, the handful of 5e games I played, I played a handful of different classes, and like you, I kept circling back to Wizard because that's my favorite. Oh, totally, yeah. But <laughs> as, as we leveled up uh, through other classes and watched other people do it, I kept noticing that no matter who was playing them, classes always tended to gravitate to the same exact play style. And I found that really odd, and I went through and actually looked through the book a little bit more, and it comes off that, like, this is the optimum way to play this class. Mm. And if you do it, you can do other things, but you just feel like your character's not playing the right way. Sure. Uh, And if you're not playing in a super role-play game, where you're you're mostly just looking at mechanics and going, I want to walk up to the guy, hit him with an axe, then, you know, stand there and hit him with an axe next turn. Yeah. uh, It doesn't take very long for patterns to start emerging in both cases. Sure. Um I remember looking at d and d five e and I think that you were you made sixteen initial choices at character creation and then a small number every level or something like that, and a lot of those initial decisions were based on your race or your class and then after that, they were all very, very similar, or there was a very small number of them. Mm-hmm. Pathfinder was at like twenty four or something like that, and you had less decisions overall to make but you had more options for them so they present the they have the same issue where there's an optimal way to play a class if you're not doing it when a super role role play heavy game mm-hmm. and if you don't follow that path then it can get a little i don't know i feel like you're kind of getting bullied around okay um and, and pathfinder is super deadly at really low levels I've noticed that very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as the DM have had to, to back some stuff off really early, going, whoa, hey, he shouldn't be able to do that. That is broken. Right. Uh, and it it kind of nudges players the first handful of times that you should, instead of, like, uh, Sam's character with that ranger, has that has a really cool backstory for why he's got this really cool knife. But that is not the optimum weapon for that character. Totally. And if he were to just start using that, he'd get wasted. Totally. Like, he wouldn't even be close. Yeah. Uh, that class is not built for that. Uh, so it's it's interesting that they kind of took away a lot of the initial options to make things, a, to lower the barrier to entry, mm-hmm. from my perspective. And that's the trade-off for that. You've made it easier for people to join and for people to level up and play this game over the course of time. And the the give and take for that is we kind of got rid of some choices, so it's not overwhelming. I see.
0: That actually is very interesting, because I feel, for me, like if I only had the player's handbook... I would totally agree with you i I think that as fifth edition has grown over time i've i agree with that less and less but i think that i mean once again you know that's a that's a similar thing with the barrier to entry right like if you can't get all those books then like it's kind of harder for you to find those options right and so um i think that makes me feel like so far it sounds like pathfinder 2e has more initial options in the core rule book than, um, than 5e has in its co- or in its uh, player's handbook, right? Is that is that what you would say?
1: Yeah, I would, I would go along with that. And a lot of that is because Dungeons & Dragons has a set character class grouping that everyone is expecting it to have, and Pathfinder can do something wonky, like check out the Paladin class and call it the champion now, and it doesn't have the same rule set that the Paladins did. Oh. And we can do whatever we want. This is the second edition. We can rewrite everything. We don't care. Oh, okay. So like, D&D's got a, I don't know, uh, a set of standards that have been set. This is what we're going to do, and we're going to tweak these things. So they've got IP that kind of forces them to continue some things, yeah. and Pathfinder just went, I don't really care we don't have to have a paladin let's get rid of that sure (laughs) we're going to call this a champion and we're going to change mechanics for it okay because you know we want people to have different choices sure so
0: do you mind kind of giving me a couple of those because i'm was there a paladin in um in pathfinder one yes okay so as that kind of came over what classes did you see change the most from pathfinder one to pathfinder two
1: uh, I mean, the easiest answer is the the paladin. Um, the, and the 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 champion is it's still a paladin. It just doesn't follow the same rule set. You don't have to be lawful. You don't have to do all these right. other things. But it it's it's along the same route. Um, they added. I'm trying to flip quickly. The monk is interesting in that they nerfed it a lot. Okay, because I'm sure that you're aware that high level monks in previous editions were effectively gods Yeah. in every edition. They just, if you could just handle hanging on for the first 10, oh, 10 yeah. levels or so after that, you just untouchable and ready to go. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, I really like the edition of the alchemist in general. It was something they did in one E and I think a splat book, a second, uh, you know, a second book. I can't remember off the top of my head, yeah. but it's just a fun little dude that runs around and makes bombs. Very cool. That's sweet. <laughs> it's fun. Um, for the most part, the overall flavoring of the classes hasn't changed. Yeah. They, they still do, you know, fighters do fighter things, barbarians, rage, and, you know, it, it's all very normal. They, they just kind of changed how the, you know, like 5e did for, we'll just go back to three five and just streamline things and make things easier to, to play and lower the barrier to entry right. a lot.
0: Good. Yeah, so, um, oh gosh, I had a really good point to bring up here, but now I can't remember it. Oh, frick oh well no big no big deal (laughs) either way um but no uh i think that sounds interesting i i actually think that um i've tried to as i start dming my games move away from alignment in general because i kind of find it boring um does pathfinder have a hard alignment system at all like is like do you use an alignment system a lot
1: i don't uh i find it cumbersome um There, especially with two newer players that don't really want to jump into the the level of role play that would require really thinking heavily about what a character would do, right? And then add in an alignment scale yeah. on it. Uh, last session, we had uh, I intentionally put two not great decisions in front of the group. With neither one of them being good answers to make them make uncomfortable decisions, and one of the new guys who's absolutely playing a good character, and well, I'll just kill everybody. Right. Well, okay, no, <laughs> yeah, you know? we're gonna talk, we're gonna look at your alignment a little bit right now because yeah. it says good, and you can't do that. Yeah,
2: and I also want to point out that I think you're talking about Brandon. Well, yep, I wasn't, I wasn't he, gonna call <laughs> him out. <now. laughs> oh, right. I, I will. I fucking will right now. <laughs> out of all, and I love Brandon to death. but out of all people, I think his character is chaotic neutral or chaotic evil and goddamn it he plays it like that yeah. too. I mean he's not chaotic
1: evil, but he's he's chaotic. He's I'll chaotic something. But no, for the most part I don't worry about alignments in general. It's just not worth. I mean everybody's good cuz we're doing good things for the community at large. There's right. no reason to to do anything other than that, but I'm I'm not going to be the one to go, "Well, sorry, you're lawful totally. good. There's no reason for you to do that." Yeah.
0: No, I I actually have um really tried to like with paladins, I think they're an interesting concept, right? But I think that um, as I've as I've started to look at them more and more and more, I, I've found that it is not nearly as fun to restrain a paladin to alignments or to gods or anything like that. Like I could. I could have a paladin in my game, and they could be taking an oath to, like, better themselves. You know what I mean? And that's fine, yep.
1: right? That's- when I played paladins, that's how I did exactly. it. Exactly. I, I would, like, all right, I'm lawful, and I have to be good because the rules say so. But that lawful has is not to the particular, you know, Palor or whoever the sure. god I have been following. It is to a set of ideals or, you know, approach it like a samurai, and I'm sworn to yeah. my lord or whatever the heck. Is as long as you've got a, a a DM or a GM that's willing to look at that the same way, everything's gravy. Yep, totally. I I 100 agree on that, and I think that to me, um, that
0: sounds like like Pathfinders kind of tried to just like make that the norm, which is also a good thing, right? Like I I like that, right? I don't want paladins to feel like they're you know, locked into every, like, one way or, or another, right? I play wizards, like, I, I, my wizards always have swords, right? Like, I'm always picking up a sword and, like, casting buff spells on my swords and then running up and slapping people with my sword and then, like, running away or something like that. Like, I love sword mages, right? Um, and so like it's always these like creative ways to play characters are are sometimes the most interesting, right? Arcane archers, like where you mix magic and 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 arrows or things like that, or you know, like clerics that, you know, instead of casting heal spells, only cast like necromantic anti heal spells on people. That's super interesting. And yep, yep. those interesting ways to play sound like they're becoming um a little bit more streamlined as the norm in Pathfinder two E. Would you agree with that?
1: I, I would, yeah. I think uh to your point about playstyle, when uh in three five I would typically play a, a some type of spellcaster multi class with Rogue and take Arcane Strike so I can run in, smack somebody, burn a spell slot and do X D four of extra damage on top of yeah. it. Yeah uh when i when I play now when uh, when I play a wizard, especially in the old edition of Pathfinder, there was a lot of battlefield control stuff summoning pits to drop people in or make them go around it uh and Sam's character is a great ad- example of trying to use a character in ways that may not be standard specifically because it's more fun to play totally and I think both d and d and and Pathfinder have done a great job in recognizing that. Just because the character is built to do X does not mean everybody wants to do it that way. And there needs to be flexibility to allow for players to do whatever they want to do to have fun, because ultimately that's what we're here for. Totally.
0: I I completely agree. Um, Sam, well, what have have been some of your favorite moments in trying to be creative with your character? I'm sure that there are probably a couple that stand out in the first 10 sessions that you've had here. Um, What instances have you had where you're like, oh, this may not be optimal, but damn, is it fun"?
2: uh climbing trees is a big one. Yeah. <laughs> I put my guy as a yeah, ex big game hunter and uh we got ourselves into a situation in some not great wooded areas and I'm like I've got high acrobatics. Can I climb this tree and see what I can see? He's like, "Uh, I guess." Yeah. <laughs> so we did that and I've been using that trick quite often. If there's trees around, I'm likely going to climb them. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's that's great. That's always something that you should
0: be doing if you're uh, if you're, you know, uh, able to, I would say, that's a great strategy for trying to make sure that you have a vantage point on things, for sure.
1: Yeah,
2: that's been fun. Uh, very recently, again, I think most of my damages have been done by bow and arrow, but recently uh, did some acrobatics with the orc knuckle dagger for the first time, and that was a little bit uh, not necessarily par for the course. It's kind of out of character, but it was one of those moments in-game that's like, this is crucial, we got to do this now. And had to get from point A to point B in an extravagant way. Very cool. So we'll see if more situations like that come up. But, yeah, that's a lot of free creativity, wherever you
1: want to take it. Well, Sam's got a, an animal companion that's a bear. And every time we run into cultists, somehow there's extra clothing for those cultists, you know, robes or hats or whatever. And at this point, this bear is wearing just about everything they've come across. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've got a baby grizzly bear running around in cultist robes and a, a jaunty hat. Amazing.
2: Like, well, I love all it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh,
1: So that might, might be,
2: an, I didn't even realize it until you said that, but that might be a, a, th- a new theme. It's just, <laughs> I mean, yeah. The, Whenever, the wardrobe say Somebody's like, all right, do they have a cool sock or something put on here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That sounds amazing. I love it so much. Uh, yeah. I mean, the one thing that I really wish that 5e would have done really like better, because I think I actually started out in Pathfinder as a ranger um my very first game and i was like trying to be you know this arcane archer and my dm was t- or my gm or dm you know you know what i mean uh, but nonetheless they were <laughs> trying to make sure that i could be that arcane archer but i also knew that i wanted an animal companion so i started as a ranger and they were like okay like you can cast a cantrip and it'll essentially just be your bow you're, you're like you're you'll just like pretend to shoot it off of your bow you know what i mean i was like okay cool i like it's it. fine um but uh at the same time i was just like okay cool i have two dogs and then uh i like i just saved all of my starting money i got two dogs and i just bought barding for both of them so they were like insanely high ac dogs <laughs> that would just run in and literally i could like solo bosses with them in early levels in path one yeah. because like they would just be like, what the fuck do I hit? Do I hit the dogs that are killing me or the spellcaster that's, like, shooting arrows or what? Like, I don't know what the fuck to do. And then, like, I got into 5e and all of a sudden just, like, bad. Like, Beastmaster yep. in 5e is literally the worst class in the entire game. And so I felt is it really? it's terrible, right? So, like, you, um, you have an animal companion and you have to sacrifice your entire action to command them. Oof, yeah. oof, what is that? Yeah. It's terrible. What is that? It's so bad. That's great. It's, it's actually infuriating. And I talked to my GM, I'm like, can I do this? And they're like, well, I mean, Ranger's balanced around like doing that, right? Like, you either take your action to do that or you attack with your bow. And then all of a sudden, like, you keep leveling up and your animal companion doesn't scale with you at all. And so then what? I know, right? And it's so annoying. And so the first edition of 5e, they were like, wow we really fucked this up <laughs> and so they like <laughs> tried to fix it and things like that and they even have added new uh like new releases for it and like unearthed arcana and things like that and they've even added a whole new uh subclass of ranger in another unearthed arcana that is essentially just like um you know it's it's like the drake warden ranger which is essentially just like having a uh, a what's it called uh, like a beast master but instead of having a beast you have a small drake right and then hmm. uh, that one's really cool because they basically said okay you only yeah. get a drake you can't have anything else but because you only can have a drake we can balance it a lot easier so that, makes so sense. that happened and i was just like man this is such a bummer thing um but i'm glad to hear that there uh you can still have fun animals in pathfinder 2e um how do you guys feel about the balance of having an animal companion in, in pathfinder 2
2: I mean, my bear has gone swiping a couple times, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm always too scared for her to get hurt. So essentially how it works is I can use one of my three actions to give her three actions. Two, two actions. Okay. Ah, very nice. Uh, so a lot of times I'll have her run up and swipe, and essentially if I land my combat, she gets a free D8 of damage.
1: Yeah, it's it's bonkers. Okay, so <laughs> the, good. The Rangers, the Rangers with that animal companion is at low levels all just shy of broken if you've got an animal companion. Okay.
0: Yeah, because like I remember in Pathfinder when I had it, I was just like, I have two dogs. They both have barding. Their AC is nineteen,
1: uh... and uh, they got uh, probably a D six of bite, maybe yeah. a D eight, and they can probably trip too if they're anything like wolves. You know?
0: yeah and so that was pretty good so i would say uh yeah so far in pathfinder i felt a big difference in that aspect at least for sure
1: but yeah no there there is uh there's some stuff that they, they tweaked enough uh the animal companion stuff is significantly more streamlined for for this edition um they, and they do scale. Uh, I think it's every seven levels. Every seven levels, uh, yeah. the, the, the bear, in his case, matures from uh, a young bear to an adult and to, you know, something else. Uh, something that uh, Sam hasn't asked me for yet is barding for his bear. So I've been enjoying that because once he puts that on, that that thing's going to be open. I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't say barding. Um, what? But at,
0: barding doesn't exist. Sorry.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Who's that? What is that? What's barding? Uh, but... I mean, they already enjoy dressing it up, so yeah. they can only imagine what they're going to do when they put armor on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, one of the classes that existed in a, um, a secondary book for 1E that I really hope they bring back and nerf the heck out of is the summoner. Yeah. Uh, in five and early D&D, I really liked summoning things because you could summon specific animals. You didn't have to roll a dice to figure it out. Um, and the summoner in 1E e was absolutely broken, just badly broken. Yeah. I rolled up a character to play that with uh, one of our guys at the table uh, a handful of years ago. And, like, after one session, called him, like, hey, man, what do you want me to do with this character? Like, I, I, I feel bad playing this. This isn't fair. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I hope they bring that that class back. It was a lot of fun just, you know, zipping things into existence. But one of the things that I've noticed D&D and Pathfinder have gotten away from is summoning other characters because it becomes such a chore during combat.
0: Well, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, it really frustrates when it becomes this kind of less war of like what, you're, like what your characters are doing and more of a war of action economy, right? Because yeah. all of a sudden, one character, his turns take 30 minutes as he rolls for every zombie that he has, right? And then... You know, like, it takes 30 minutes, the next character is a fighter, and they say, I attack twice, one, two, they both hit, I deal five damage for each one, okay, my turn's over. And their turn's done in, like, two minutes. It gets really frustrating for those people. And so, I've actually seen that happen most recently in the most recent book that uh, 5e's been putting out, too. They have spells that essentially say, this creature... Uh, has a certain number of hit points equal to the spell level that you cast it times x right and then it has a attack bonus equal to your proficiency modifier plus the spells level and then like that it essentially just scales exactly with whatever spell level you cast it at so however strong you are you just cast it as strong as you want it and that's how big your air elemental is right and so i've seen a lot of like a lot of this system try and be like, okay, let's pull it back from being like this I command a huge army kind of feeling and push it more into like a these feel good because these summons scale well and feel good when I cast them at higher levels still too. Um, so I think that'd be really cool if they brought that back for um, for Pathfinder 2E. Uh, one thing I'd really like to ask about is what have, has been the biggest difference in spells from, like, 5e and Pathfinder 1e that you've seen, because I'm sure that the spells function relatively different in in those systems, right? They
1: they really do, and it's a lot like actions. Uh, The the way that Pathfinder approached actions is uh, you have three actions a round, and that's it. Spells uh, typically take two actions, but some take one, and some take three. And some of them, like Magic Missile or Healing, you can burn additional actions on to increase the effect of the spell. Mm. So, uh, uh, Cure Light Wounds is a good example, or I don't know if it's called a Cure Light Wounds, but that we all know what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you burn one action for it, it's d D8, two actions, 2D8, two three actions, it's a Healing Burst. Sure. So, you're healing everyone within X amount of distance. Oh, very cool. And I really, really like that approach. It's something I thought that D&D has been. The tabletop role playing games, not D&D, Tabletop role playing games in general have really been lacking for a long time. And that's a lot of agency on the part of a spellcaster where you have a standard action or a full round action for your spellcasting. And that's it. If you don't like how it works, tough shit and move on with your life. Sure. Yeah. Uh, having the ability to, you know, most of the time if you cast a spell in in, in 2E and you're not using all three actions of doing it, you're probably casting a sub-optimized version of it, but you still have that choice, and I really, really like that ability for a player to go, well, I don't like for healing, uh, you know, if you're surrounded by zombies and your crew's getting beat up, absolutely burn a full-round action, do a healing burst It's going to heal your boys and hurt the bad boys. Mm -hmm. But if you're standing in a group of bandits who are all alive... You don't want to do that, right? You're just going to prolong this combat. And having that choice and it not having to be a second spell that you need to learn, I really, really appreciate that approach a lot. That's good.
0: Yeah, so um, so what, What? from me, for 5th edition, there is the system called spell slots, right? What type of mm-hmm. system do they have for casting spells in 2
1: It's effectively the same. You still have X spells per level.
0: Okay. So, but like, for example, if I have, um, you know, I'm not sure if it actually is Cure Light Wounds in Pathfinder 2E, um, but uh, nonetheless, let's say that's a first level spell, right? Um, Can I cast that at third level and have bonus effects by casting it as a third level spell as well, or is that not something that's possible in 2E?
1: Not typically, no. Okay. and one of the th- there are some that if you cast it as a higher level, it has other uh, there are other things going on. Uh, but for the most part, it's just this is a third level spell that you cast with more actions to do more things. Okay. So that way you're not trying to f- do all of that math of all right. Well, this is a second level spell, and instead I'm burning a fifth level spot. So it's doing all of these other things. So you're just going, nope. I'm going to cast Cure Light Wounds with all three of my actions, and it's doing this. My turn is done. Let's move on. Cool. Cool. Well, that sounds cool. One of the things I do really like about 5e for spells, by the way, is cantrips are just a thing that you can do all the time, because yeah. if you don't want to be a wizard and whack things with a stick, I can understand that. Cast Ascent Spray instead. Yep. Uh, Pathfinder went back to numbering how many cantrips you have.
0: Don't like it. Oh, so like you can only cast a certain number a day?
1: Yeah, you know five, and in some cla- some cases it, it becomes wonky. Okay. I just prefer D&D's cantrip approach all the Yeah.
0: I really like the... like Because to me, when I played... Um, what was it? Uh, when I played Pathfinder, I remember my wizard that was playing with me. He instantaneously stopped being a wizard because he was like, I only get to cast spells like three times a day? What? Like, yep. this is the most stupid thing ever. Because <laughs> I know, like, eventually wizards become, like, nigh unstoppable in, in Pathfinder. Um, but... At the same time, like when it's early level and you're trying to learn the game, and everybody else is just smacking crap with it, like a uh, you know a Goliath Barbarian who's just destroying everything, and then you go and you're like, I cast Cantrip, firebolt, and there's like, oh, you miss. It's like,
2: okay, <laughs> well, should. I'll walk away uh, with my real, real
1: four real quick hit it. points. <laughs> uh, and three five and earlier spellcasters had a d4 of hit die yeah that's yeah a, um uh, i want to clarify something because I, I think i misspoke you have you can cast the cantrips an unlimited number of times per day but you know significantly fewer uh, of them. i see sorry if i misspoke if i misrepresented that like i'm looking at the cleric at the moment and the most cantrips you ever have is five
0: okay well, actually, that's pretty close to now, 5e they,
1: then, actually. Um, but is it really? Yeah, yeah, it is actually pretty close. But um,
0: they added some new rules lately where every time you level up, you can swap out a cantrip on the list. Oh, that's nice. So that's something that's, that really uh, the, adds
1: flexibility. One the, yes, it does. And if I remember right from the last, when I was a wizard in the last 5e game I played, uh at some point, I think it's third level, and then at fifth and seventh level, your cantrips level up with They do, yeah.
0: So at at fifth level, 11th level, and 17th level, they increase in damage die. So for example, at level one, your cantrips, uh, like Firebolt does a D12, or a D10 of damage. Um, But at level 5, it does 2d10 damage. And at level 11, it does 3d10. And at level 17, it does 4d10. So the good thing is the cantrips are never going to be an optimal spell usage, but they're always really consistent in damage.
1: Yeah, and I appreciate the heck out of that a lot, saying, all right, I want to be a spellcaster. Great, you can be a spellcaster as long as you don't do anything half of your day. Right. So I appreciate that. Them leading the way with cantrips doing that, that was... That is money. That was a good decision. Yeah.
0: I actually really think that they they knocked it out of the park with warlocks in fifth edition, uh, but oh, because are they're so cool, like, <laughs> but like, they, yeah. like their their cantrip, they just have they. There's only one cantrip that that is only warlock in the game, and it's eldritch blast, right? And But the good thing about that is that warlocks can customize Eldritch Blast. They have a bunch of, like, almost like pseudo feats in 5th edition called Eldritch Invocations to where they can add to their cantrip Eldritch Blast, and only warlocks get to do that. And I think it's so cool to, like, have this just, like, super consistent spellcaster that is almost like a fighter spellcaster, but it's really just, like, all the time Like, they have a couple spell slots that they can cast bigger spells in, but other than that, they're just casting Eldritch Blast all over and over and over again. And it's like being a fighter, but as a spellcaster, which is really cool, because there are uh, invocations that you can do that, like, when you hit with an eldritch blast you can push someone 10 feet away from you or pull them 10 feet closer to you or you can add your charisma modifier onto the damage whenever you hit with an eldritch blast or things like that and it's just like really cool customization for that and i think that really was what made me feel like wow this cantrip system is really cool in the way that it levels with you it stays consistent and useful the entire game for fifth edition
1: no i agree and as a, as a DMGM, I really, really appreciate the Warlock class because the number of things you can do with oh, that yeah. oath they have to oh, have yeah. is just – it opens everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I need you to go to the West. Well, I don't really want to, but you're going to because your guy said yep. so. <laughs> yeah,
0: totally. I actually had a monk earlier uh, in a campaign that I'm currently running, and she is um, – she had these astral arms. She essentially has a JoJo stand. Uh but like she got the uh the arms that punch from behind her uh from an like this eldritch being. Uh and essentially she was just like, I kinda don't want to do bad things anymore. And the eldritch being was like, sorry, um eat that person <laughs> over there. And they were, she was like, Oh, oh god, I, I may have miscalculated. Yeah. I, I, mistakes were made. Mistakes were definitely made. <laughs>
1: That's good stuff.
0: Well, guys, I think that's most of what I wanted to talk about so far. Do you guys have anything else you'd like to talk about about Pathfinder
2: 2e for right now? I mean, having a baby
1: grizzly bear is cool. I totally agree. (laughs) I totally agree. No, I, I think overall, both both systems that are they're currently out are are both stellar. They're both huge steps forward Agreed. in lowering the barrier to entry for people to play. Both in you know the taxes you got to do at the table, trying to yes. figure out how things work, and the overall cost. And in general, it's just uh, it, it, I think both systems are great. They they both have great strengths. Their flaws have been greatly minimized. I think this is a great step forward for both systems. Yeah, I
0: think RPG gaming. Feel, it feels good right now. Everything feels like it's getting easier, it's getting more attainable, which is just good for the entire community as a whole,
1: I would say. Oh, I agree. And there's so many different options for playing online. Yeah. Not even, you know, pre-pandemic. Uh, yeah. you, know, you know, Roll20 and everything. There's all these other options, and it's only gotten... It's one of the only areas I can positively look at throughout this whole pandemic thing is doing things online. It's gotten so much easier and you can find people all the time who want to just hang out and play. And it's it's really cool. This is a great time to be a part of tabletop gaming as a community. Totally agree. Yeah, I've
0: even done whole episodes in this podcast about like, okay, guys, it's pandemic time. Here's how to
1: transition to online play. It's actually way cooler than you probably think it is. Yep. We've had a couple of sessions where somebody was out and instead of doing the, the full online thing, just set up a, a Zoom meeting with my phone pointed down at the battle map yep. for the newer guys who still need that, that visual of things and just somebody's offline and the rest of us are sitting totally. here.
0: Yeah, I've even used Roll20 a lot for that type of stuff. Like having Roll20 makes it a lot easier and having the free account there, you can just draw things out on the map there. it's It's really helpful.
1: That's really cool. Yeah, I, I've I think this is the best time yeah. ever to be a part of the the, the tabletop gaming totally. community. No question about totally, it. Totally, totally, totally.
0: Well, uh, Sam Tyler, I would say that uh, I, that pretty much wraps it up for me. Um, you guys, I've stolen you from another podcast, so uh, I would love it if you would drop any contact info for that as well. If, if people would like to hear your podcast, what you guys are doing,
1: um, where can they go ahead and find you guys? Yeah, we are doing a uh, currently a homebrew that will eventually transition into a an adventure path or two here and there, and uh, that is findable on anywhere you buy your podcasts. It's obviously, podcasts are free. <laughs> uh, if you search for a plus adventuring, the plus is the symbol, not spelled out, uh, or on a underscore adventuring on Twitter. Uh, we update. We try to do weekly. Lately, it's been really difficult with you know pandemic life, but uh, we have a group of four. Players and myself DMing and both of you know, for the most part we're just running the whole game by rule of cool.
0: Awesome. Very nice. Well, uh I think that's all for me. Um Sam, do you have anything else you'd like to say?
2: Uh just on a on a general base I would say that uh, you know, I can't compare my experiences to what, you know, old school rule top tabletop gaming is. Um, but I will say it's felt very welcoming. So anyone listening that hasn't played, find a group, go out and play. I mean it's I don't think it's ever been easier and
0: I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Awesome. That is exactly what I want to hear. That is exactly what these type of podcasts are for and that is exactly mm-hmm. uh, why I want to keep getting people in the community together to talk about it and try and keep bringing new people in. So, um, well, thank you guys so much. Uh, I think that's all we got for today. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed listening to this wonderful podcast with these wonderful people uh, and other than that, uh, yeah, we're done. Okay, bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. The fact that you have made it here to the end means the world to us. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with your friends, or if you have the time, reviewing us on Apple Podcasts is a great way to show support. You can follow us on Twitter at A Journeys Rest or like us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Rest podcast. If you have any questions for us to answer, you can send them in to journeysrestpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for sharing the precious pieces of your time with us, and we hope that the rest of your day is just as wonderful. See you again at our table soon.